back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Like we said, what a win last week against FAU. But, you know, just like every team in college football, you have to move on. You have to take what was good about the week before, and hopefully you can replicate it the next week. And this week, we've got a good matchup. Georgia Tech, very exciting game at home in the bounce house. But before we get into all the goodies of this week, I bring on Robert Husby. Rob, how you doing this week? I know we, I think we calmed down a little bit from the win. I know we had to calm down from the Louisville loss. Now we're calming down from the win. So how are you feeling about this team after, you know, marinating in that victory, you know, week this week? Yeah, I think we're right back on track as we were, you know, talking about uh, Saturday after the FAU game. Um, I think we should be heading in this week with a little bit of a little bit more confidence than if we had played FAU a little bit closer. Um, but definitely going into this week, I think we're feeling feeling a little bit more confident. We have another out-of-conference game. You obviously can't take your opponent lightly, but it's the start of a brand new week. you got to go in with a brand new mindset, and I think UCF is, uh, UCF is looking pretty ahead of this, this weekend at home. I think they are, and I think the funny thing, Robin, this is like, you know, fans, us as fans, right, we can never get too high and we can never get too low, right? So the, we go crazy over the loss to Louisville, you know, say, oh, JRP, this is what we're nervous about, blah, blah, blah. Mike Bianchi put on an article uh, the other day, and it was a basically direct shot at Anthony Richardson of Florida saying, you need to be more like JRP. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, I will braid Anthony Richardson all I want based off of his play the last three weeks. Now, we're not a Florida podcast. We're a UCF podcast. But I just find it funny. Now, I'm not going to say, like, hey, you need to play more like JRP. I'm just thinking it's funny because he doesn't have that game against FAU. Nobody's saying that. But now it's just like, again, it is such a quick turnaround. It's such a quick flip of the mind. One Mm -hmm. week, you're on everybody's bad list of you are a terrible quarterback. You should be sat. To now, it's he has... A incredible game against FAU, and it's hey Anthony Richardson, the guy that everybody was saying should be a Heisman finalist after Week One. You need to be more like John Rice Plumley. I just thought that was funny. We love Mike Bianchi, so no shade to the article. I'm just saying, kind of just shows maybe UCF fans' mindset, especially a little bit. Don't you think? Like just a little bit. That that but that's sports media in general, isn't it? Like, and yeah. that's fan logic in general, especially especially football because you only play once a week usually. Um, I mean, obviously there's weeks where sometimes you'll play on a Thursday. Next week you're playing on like a Sunday or something like that in the NFL. But you know, in college especially, you don't get a lot of time. You get two three years of eligibility before you know a really good player declares for the NFL draft. And in the case of like somebody like Anthony Richardson, I mean, we saw it with Spencer Rattler last year. Spencer Rattler coming into the season, everybody's like, oh, this guy's a lock for the Heisman. Guy's a lock for the Heisman. Guy's a lock for the number one overall pick. What happens? Completely stinks it up. And now now he's playing for a completely different college, playing in South Car- uh, South Carolina, not looking any much yeah. better. Probably, no. probably not going to get – I mean, he, he might get drafted. But it's the same thing with uh, Anthony Richardson too. Like this guy, you know, comes in a season, everybody's like, oh, Heisman favorite, Heisman favorite. This guy's going to get picked in the first round uh, next year. And now what's happening? After three games, people are like, 
oh my god, he's terrible. What do we do? Like Florida fans are are going crazy. Like oh my god, he's no better than Emory Jones. What are we going to do? We have nobody else. He's got to play. But this so it's sports media in general. It's sports fan logic. It's always about what have you done for me lately? And unfortunately, when you got twelve games of college football. This is what happens. It's overreactions every single week. Doesn't matter who you play. Florida, luckily for them, came out and played strong against a ranked uh, Utah team. Won, but now it, they've they struggled against Kentucky, lost, and they struggled against USF and barely beaked out a win. So we see it here. And they're still but yeah, ranked, I mean, and they're and they're still, still ranked. ranked. It's because so many teams around college football, all the bad, all the <laughs> all the supposed good teams are are struggling. And so, I mean, it's this is a good year for UCF. If UCF only finishes with, you know, two or three losses tops, they might end up in the top 25. Yeah. I. But while we're on the topic, we'll get into UCF, Georgia Tech. Um, USF fans, again, they, they, they have to have fun every once in a while, right? Oh. Credit where credit's due. They gave Florida a run for their money. It, I, it was a hard game because you're, it's close, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like... Okay, would I rather have Florida win, which it's like, I don't want that. But I definitely don't want USF to go no. beat Florida. So I'm like, I guess the best thing that could have happened happened, which is Florida squeaks out a win, but USF still loses. But USF fans are like, there was one, I forgot the Twitter page, but it, I was, I laughed. It was like, um, oh, how does it feel to beat Florida in a meaningless bowl game? And I'm like, and, and the comments were all saying like, yeah, le- su- yeah, such a meaningless bowl game. Like <laughs> you actually have to get wins to go into a bowl game. So, it, you know, they don't know what that getting, is, unfortunately. Exactly. Try getting more than two wins in a season or three, like three wins in the span of two years. Well, and you're talking about l- bowl games. Listen, just just wait. I'm surprised we already haven't seen at Raymond James Stadium a, a banner grow up that says, hey, barely lost to Florida 2022. Barely lost to Florida. Listen, closest game on that. Uh, game slate of all the teams that they signed and saying you got to be the best, you have to beat the best. You've almost lost every beat, single one of them. Almost beat an SEC team. Yep, pretty much. Um, okay, let's go into uh, UCF versus Georgia Tech. That's the game this week. <clears throat> I believe it's 4 p.m. on Saturday this week. A little mid-afternoon, you know, sun setting down over the bounce house. going to look so beautiful this time of year. We got a good opponent, and when I say good opponent, I'm saying a good opponent about every single team this year because I don't want to be caught looking stupid saying this team <laughs> sucks like I did with Louisville. So um, UCF versus Georgia Tech line is minus 20.5, so basically three touchdowns. A um, lot to happen with Georgia Tech before we really get into it. We were assuming head coach was going to be fired before this game. They just lost to Ole Miss 42 to nothing, which – you know, I get SEC school, right? But I think the reason Georgia Tech fans are just so upset and just want Jeff Collins, I don't know who I said, but Jeff Collins um, fired, is, you know, the lack of productivity over many years. A lot of the times Georgia Tech fans, you know, we played them in 2019. A lot of the times Georgia Tech fans made excuses saying, it's not Collins' guys. He needs to get his recruits in there. It's the previous guy's recruits. He's going to get there. But the production has not been there. Jeff Collins obviously was a coach at UCF 
former linebackers coach and recruiting coordinator. But listen to this. And I think this is, I don't know the reason. I think here's my philosophy or my thought process. I think they didn't fire him because he's going up against a team he used to coach in UCF. I think they're like, we're going to give him this last week to show something. This is my thought. If I think if they, if he loses to UCF bad, I think he gets axed the next day. But listen to this, you know, his stats right here. Jeff Collins is 10 and 27 since 2019. So since he took the job at Georgia Tech, he's 10 and 27. But hear this though. I was kind of like, wow, okay, this is pretty bad. He's lost eight straight games to FBS opponents. And a combined score versus those opponents of 183 to 10. <laughs> he's put 10 points. This team has put 10 points on 10 points. Those Oh my God. So and, and he's also he's also lost games to the Citadel Temple uh, Temple in Northern Illinois. So like, well, yeah, that's the game that that really got him on the hot seat was that Citadel yeah. loss. No, yeah, and that's when you really think about that. That is, I mean, that's a lot of points you're not scoring and a lot of points that your defense is giving up. So like, yeah. there's no no wonder if I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I can only imagine, like, just the pain every week of seeing this team play eight straight games to FBS, FBS opponents. Like, I'm sorry, but beating Western Carolina, I think that's who they play, like, right? Western Carolina. Yeah, Western beating Carolina. them 35-17, to 17, I'm sorry, but, like, you're Georgia Tech. I, I, like, I don't think I'd be getting all excited and hyped. Like, I'd get excited to hype to play Clemson. Do I think we're going to beat Clemson? Absolutely not. But 41-10, to 10, I mean... Come on, give me a break. 42 nothing, Ole Miss. I think fans have had enough. So I think the question we have coming in, Rob, right, when you have a guy like Jeff Collins and by all accounts, everybody knows that this man's getting fired. I don't think anybody thinks this man is going to have this job in a month, right? Kind of tell me what your thought process is and philosophy when it comes to if you're a UCF, knowing you're going up against a team – players and a coach that, you know, are at the bottom of the hole right now. Like a coach that probably is not going to be here. Players that, you know, clearly are just struggling really heavily. What are the benefits to UCF and what can be the potential dangers facing a team like Georgia Tech? Yeah, well, I, th I think the main danger, we'll go with that first. I think the main danger, obviously, I, I think is quite clear that UCF would face is that, you know, Georgia Tech can put up points. I mean, uh, clearly not against Clemson and Ole Miss, but they can, you know, they can put up against points that are teams that are closer in, um, you know, closer in quality to them, I suppose. Um, not saying that they're necessarily close to UCF because I do believe UCF is clear, quite clearly the better team, at least on paper. But, you know, they can, you know, put up points here and there. And I, I think the main danger for UCF, obviously, is you don't want to go into it with the mindset that we know for sure we're going to beat this team because they're a bad team. I mean, that's what got us against Louisville uh, was that logic, at least from the fan perspective. Um, but obviously the danger you face is this guy's fighting for his life. Um, so if these are his guys that are on the field, you know, these are his recruits, they're going to be fighting for him too. So, you know, if you get a big upset win over UCF at home, you know, on the road for, for Georgia tech. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. So it, it might not necessarily save your job. Cause I think at the end of the day uh, and at the end of the season, Jeff Collins gets fired. 
uh, for sure. I don't even think he'll make it through the rest of the season. But, you know, certainly if you can go into UCF's, you know, territory, punch him in the mouth and upset them, certainly you get a huge moral victory over that. And at least, you know, especially because, you know, Jeff Collins was a linebacker coach. He was a candidate uh, to take over George, George O'Leary's job when he um, departed as head coach before Scott Frost got hired instead. You know, it, it it's a nice little victory that, you know, Jeff Collins can pull out of there as well. So that's definitely the biggest negative is, you know, you have a, a former coach, um, you know, coming in and, and really trying to, to fight for his life. And that's the thing. There, that is dangerous. I mean, we go back to Louisville, and I think that's the only reason my confidence is a little bit better. I mean, again, when we were doing our preseason picks and everything, I picked the loss to Louisville because I'm like, listen, it's week two. Probably be very overly hyped, and then you're going to have a quarterback like Malik Cunningham coming in and that's a potential, you know, loss. After the FAU game, obviously we can get really high. We can get really extremely high on, you know, the win and how we played, played incredibly. This team has nothing to lose. The coach has nothing to lose. They're coming into the bounce house, which, again, is a very hard place to play, but it, they just lost in the bounce house. That spread is very high. I mean, mm -hmm. 20 and a half is basically like you, they don't respect Georgia Tech at all and what they can do. We did play them in 2019 and beat them 49 to 21. Obviously, different staff. It's a completely different team. The complete team is completely different. Georgia Tech has the same quarterback, though, right? Jeff Sims. He has not played very well this season. Uh, I read some articles. A lot of people are starting to doubt him as a quarterback for Georgia Tech and are kind of thinking it's his time to be up. They're looking at other options. Let's look at the three games that he's played. Clemson against Georgia Tech, he went 23-36, 164 yards passing. Not a bad game, but 23 passes and you're only throwing for 164 yards. It's not that great when it comes to you know yardage and moving the ball down the field. Um, Western Carolina... 8 for 17, 188 yards. Ran the ball a lot. They ran all over, but when you look at just some stats, didn't really perform well. Ole Miss, 18 of 32, 161 yards. He had 16 carries for negative two yards. So he hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards this season. Granted, he's had two tough opponents, but you know, I was reading some articles, and they've got a backup right now from Akron, Zach Gibson. He threw 10 touchdowns, no picks uh, when he was at Akron. But the difference is, you know, he's not a guy. He doesn't have the athleticism that Jeff Sims has. What does Jeff Sims need to do? Obviously, UCF, are they're playing quarterbacks like Jeff Sims. Now, this is the third week in a row. You're getting a quarterback that gets out of the pocket, moves around, finds the open. Like, that is the quarterback they're playing. They played Malik Cunningham. They played it last week, Nikazi Perry. Now it's Jeff Sims. Do you think now this is kind of the week where UCF might – granted, we love the defense and we love what they're they're doing. Is this kind of the week where they're kind of going to really start putting game plans together of kind of – now, granted, depending on the team, but I think this is pretty much the week where they're like, okay, we're, we know how to play this you know, mobile, get-out-of-the-pocket quarterback. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I think especially for you know Travis Williams and his defense – I think if you're looking at the third week in a row where you have a mobile quarterback that can, you know, use his feet to, 
to make some to make some moves, I think obviously you have to adjust to that. And I, I think it's very hard. I think I think Travis Williams is a very smart guy. And I think the defense um, is very smart and it's filled with a lot of talent. And I think, you know, again, after seeing three weeks of this, you have to address, uh, you have to adjust to it and you have to be like, okay, we've seen this before. We've seen it at its best where it's been against Malik Cunningham. You know, uh, I think Malik Cunningham's the best example of that mobile quarterback that UCF will have played. Um, but it's got to be the same game plan they used against FAU. They were pretty much um, able to, to stifle FAU's offense. So, uh, besides the run game, obviously the, the first half they got kind of run all over. But yeah. you know, in dealing with a mobile quarterback, I think um, UCF will adjust, and I think this defense is talented enough. And let's be honest, like besides you know, really again allowing FAU to run over them a little bit, and you know, allowing some big plays to Malik Cunningham, and and again the undisciplined nature of that entire Louisville game, I didn't think you know, the defense looked that bad against Louisville. They kept Louisville, no. they, they kept Louisville, uh, you know, they gave up some big plays to Louisville, but they were able to make stands. They were able to make goal line stands and, you know, 10 yard stands and stuff like that. So I think the defense will have adjusted by this point. And I think, again, you're going to see the best version of this defense out on Saturday. I think, I think they're absolutely ready for Georgia tech. They know what Jeff Sims brings or doesn't bring, you know, they know his strengths. They've seen what other mobile quarterbacks can do. So I think they will have been well adjusted by this Saturday. Yeah, and I think you're actually going to see because the the comp of Jeff, Jeff Sims or the reason that a lot of people are like down on him is not that he's not it's not what he does on the football field when it comes to getting out of the pocket and making plays on his feet. Like fans I think like that and see that. I think the problem is how bad he's missing. He's missing very high. He's missing his receivers so high that he's throwing the ball over their head and he makes errant throws that people just scratch their head like, what are you doing? I think the game plan for this UCF defense is going to be very similar to how they played Malik Cunningham in the second half of the game against Louisville. I mean, they kind of did alter the game plan a lot. Obviously, they scored more points in the second half, but keeping him in the pocket, trying to not have him come outside and you know run all over the team, because honestly, if... Basically, the way you beat Georgia Tech is exactly the same game plan we said about Louisville. I think Louisville's a better team than Georgia Tech. We've seen that Absolutely. over the last couple of weeks. And UCF's a million times better than Georgia Tech talent-wise. But we've said that about basically UCF's better talent-wise than every team in the American. So it basically just comes down to, number one, can the defense keep him in the pocket? And two, can you put up a lot of points and score on this defense? That's what it comes down to. There's not much game planning in this game specifically. Now, granted, when we get to October 1 against SMU, that's going to be a game. You know, SMU has struggled a little bit, but that's a game. Listen, you've got skill position players, and the quarterback can make throws. So Arguably the toughest game of the season. Are you Exactly. So it's like, this game is huge. Like you, And that's why, as UCF fans and, you know, as, you know, we... You know, we have a podcast on the team. We do a lot more deep diving than maybe the the average UCF fan that just watches the game. You have to go into this game with the mindset, we're going to completely obliterate this team. <laughs> we're going to show that Louisville loss was just a fluke. We're here for real. Because it doesn't get any easier. Like, I mean, you're going to have to play SMU. You're going to have to play Cincy. Then you're going to have to go and win all of those Easy games that 
listen, we could say the American's taking a dip. I don't view it as a dip. I say, you know, when you're looking at the top-heavy teams, it's a dip in the sense that, yes, since he's lost, SMU's lost, Houston's lost twice, we've lost. So it's not like we're all, you know, undefeated right now. East Carolina is 2-1. I mean, you've got plenty of teams in the conference that are 2-1 right now. Tulane's 3-0. and So mm-hmm. you've got – and you have to play Tulane too, and I think we have to travel. Or I, I forgot. Do we travel for Tulane? i got to look at the schedule. Uh, I don't know if we play them at home. I'm I pretty th- sure we ha- might have to go there. I, I want to say it's away because I know two years ago it was – two or three years ago it was away. I, I want to say it's away. Yeah, I'll look that up because – Yeah, I want to say that's so we got SM game. we got SMU next week. You know, that's 3.30 on ESPN2 and ESPNU. So we're back on ESPN2. We're on ESPNU this Saturday. So we got SMU, Temple, East Carolina, Cincy. Yeah, we're at Tulane. Mm-hmm. So East Carolina, Cincy, Memphis, Tulane, Navy, USF. So there's a good month there. And and ECU looks uh, from what we've seen so far. Good, they, man. Look, they look tough. They look tough. Their de- their defense is tough. And that's in that running that running attack is mm-hmm. insane. And for a team, that's the that is a game now. Like obviously we're talking Georgia Tech. That is a game though. East Carolina is a game that scares me. Not that we're not again more talented. I mean, we're more talented by a million. That running game scares me. I mean, if we mm-hmm. can't stop the run, yeah. they'll run all over us. It you, reminds you me a lot of Memphis. Oh no, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like that game is going to remind me a lot of Memphis from years ago, where it just we couldn't the ch- stop the run. The, the championship game. <laughs> I mean, every game with Memphis, we couldn't stop yeah. the run. The championship yeah. game specifically. Uh, in 2018, but no, we couldn't ever stop the run versus Memphis. But um, it's a huge game. This is a huge, huge game. Every game is big, but you need to assert your dominance before SMU, and you need to make sure when SMU comes into the bounce house, we're on a winning streak and we're playing like the team. And obviously you don't need to be – no team is going to be their final version in week four. Or week right. three, you know? So you need to really just keep improving each week. JRP needs to do what he did against FAU and not look at the opponent as anybody different. That running attack that he did against FAU, you have to do that every week. I mean, that's ultimately how you're going to win these these games. Luckily, positives for UCF. Kobe Hudson looks like he's back as the starter. Uh, I don't know what it was. Some fans said it was personal issues. I think he, like, I don't know. There, There's debating, alternating reports out there. But do you think Kobe Hudson can bring, I think Kobe Hudson can bring a huge boost. I mean, you got Javon Baker already, who's a stud. You got O'Keefe. The one knock has been like, listen, I feel like Kamori Gable, Gamble's number, th- or Gable's number three, but I think Kobe Hudson could be this, like, I think he'd be a stud for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's another weapon you add to the arsenal, and there's nothing bad with that. I mean, he's clearly got talent, but no, I mean, for sure. Like, there's nothing nothing negative about adding this dude to the offense. Like, if you add him as, you know, that third starter, I mean, you know, with and then we got Gamble, and you got Baker, you got O'Keefe. I mean, that's just that's just another weapon for JRP to use. Like, that's that's great. Yeah, hopefully he brings the ball or swings that ball 
around on Saturday because, you know, I'm excited to see it. And I think a lot of UCF fans that are attending the game kind of want to see that out of their quarterback at home after, you know, the sour taste from Louisville. But defensively, I think they just keep improving each week the way that they're playing. All the credit to Travis Williams. We need to start a mm-hmm. hashtag of pay T. Will because we need to sign that man <laughs> ASAP. Um, what an amazing coach recruiting is just, and like, again, he's probably one of the best recruiters in the country. I don't think it's close. The thing that he's been able to do in two years to recruit the players he's recruited is insane. Um, here's the good thing. Georgia tech is one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Like one of the worst, like the running backs, there's no holes. So kind of just like our offensive line. But our <laughs> offensive line played good last year, protecting yes, last week protecting. So at least we have that. But their offensive line is garbage. So they're going to be able to feast. Like this is going to be a week for the defense to really feast and show why they are a top 25 defense in this country. Um, it's going to be a I'm great really, night for just Josh Seliscar. Yeah, and uh, Jean-Baptiste is back in the lineup from his one-week yep. absence. So... I feel sorry for Georgia Tech, and I know I'm getting too high, and I do not want to come on this podcast <laughs> after and just cry myself to sleep again. I won't do it. I think this is – it's hard, right? Because it's. I think one week has changed the outlook of this team. Of course. Just based off how they played. And if you can go in and beat Georgia Tech at home, I would feel very com- – and do it handily – Mm-hmm. I would feel very confident against SMU just looking at how SMU is formed right now. I don't think SMU can really stop our offense. You know, now their offense is pretty good, but um, I think I'd put our defense up against anybody else in the country. And I think, like I said last week, I don't think there's any game we're getting blown out in. I think every game, if we lose, it's going to be a close game. Um, but listen. It's not going to be a lot long of an episode. You know, Georgia Tech, credit to them. I feel sorry for their fan base. And listen, you never like when coaches get fired. You never like mm-hmm. when a pro – like, listen, we've dealt with it as fan, as UCF fans. I mean, we were 0-12. Like, that was a rough, a rough year. We um, get it. We've lost – we've had to switch coaches – now, granted, those because we were just good and the coaches went to better programs, quote unquote, better. Oh um, yeah, I'm sure Scott Frost now, is, is thrilled where he's at right now. Oh, his couch. I mean, I bet his, I mean, his couch probably feels really good. I well, mean, he's listen, he he's making money, so he he's getting paid very oh, well. So dude, I'm sure he is actually 15, happy. Fifteen million to to just not do anything. I mean, Fif- I think any, fifteen million reasons why to go back home. Yeah, geez. Uh, I mean, not too bad about that, but I wonder how much Jeff Collins will get paid. I don't know how much he's got left in his contract. It's definitely not more than Scott Frost, but I think he'll get something. No. He'll get something. I, Unless I Georgia Tech's literally like, I don't want to fire him. Like, we just don't want to fire him until the end of the season because we don't want to pay him. That also but that was like a potential. That was like such a – I don't want to say dream hire or anything like that because, I mean, while he was like – I think he took over as most winningness – uh, winning as head coach in Temple history, at least in a short period of time within two seasons, because he was only at Temple for two seasons before Georgia Tech was like, we want that guy. I yeah. mean, it's it's almost a dream hire because I think Georgia Tech was so high on him and Georgia Tech fans were high well, on him. He and he's, went to and he's from Atlanta. Tech. Yeah, he's from yeah, he Atlanta. He went to Georgia Tech. 
So yeah. it's like, listen, nostalgia always sells. Nostalgia always sells. That's why. That's why what Nebraska did. Nebraska signed him a blank check and said, you come here and listen, it's hard. Come recruit. That's what I'm saying. If I was a football coach and I was coaching around the country and I had an opportunity to go be a head coach at UCF, I mean, I, would, I don't care. I'd leave in a, an instant. So I can't Absolutely. fault that. But, you know, you feel for the program. But listen, it's a football game. You got to come in there, rip their head off. And I hate to say it, but like, yeah, you know, make this the game that they fire their head coach on. I mean, you feel sorry for everybody involved, but at the end of the day, we're UCF fans and we want UCF to uh, punch their teeth in. So um, it should be a fun game. Rob, kind of give your game thoughts. Just, you know, um, oh, we wait, do I think we have one more thing to talk about. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. We, we do have one more thing to discuss, but uh, we'll talk about our Georgia Tech predictions first, and then we'll go okay. into our final thought process. What What is your thought process on this game? Kind of give your score prediction, covering the spread, not covering the spread. How do you see this game going on Saturday night in the bounce house? Yeah, it's 20 and a half, you said, is the spread? 20 and a half. That's tough, but I mean, I... I don't know. After seeing I, again, it's Clemson and Ole Miss. I mean, Clemson's not Clemson's not great, but Ole Miss is still good, and Clemson's still good. I have to think we we cover that. I mean, maybe we don't touch forty, but the fact that we've put in the past, I mean, with a similar, obviously not our similar roster, but Georgia Tech same quarterback. I I have to think we cover that spread. I think we'll put at least thirty five on them. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I think this is my my philosophy right now is like, okay, I'm going at the games, right? I'm trying to see. Last week, we made a couple mental mistakes that cost us points. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to see, like, if we don't make those mistakes, I do think we could score over 40. I yeah. feel like we'll make one mistake that'll keep us, bring us, like, I don't remember what my final score prediction was last week. I feel like I might give the same one. I feel like 38-17 or 38 – or no, you know what? I'll go 38-14. Th- I think we hold them okay. to 14 points. Um, and that would be fair because their offense is – that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, if they if Clemson can put up 41 and Ole Miss can put up 42, I mean, I think we could put up 38. Yeah, um, yeah. I, that's why I said at least 35 we can put up on them. I think we, yeah. we, we definitely cover – and I think this is the game that our defense gets put on the national stage. I don't think anybody's talking about our defense like that yet. I think they just look at, ooh, we flipped into the end zone with a huge leap, and JRP's <laughs> a stud, which Air he JRP. is. But let's get it straight. I mean, our team is good right now because mm-hmm. of our defense. So yes. I'm going to give defense all the praise. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, especially when we're so used to, again, in the Randy Shannon era, if you will, whatever you want to call that two-year, three-year stint, I mean, we're so used to bad defense and bad yeah. defensive play calling. Now we're finally seeing something real good. And, if again, if Georgia Tech doesn't put us on the map because everybody's going to write Georgia Tech off and say, well, it's Georgia Tech, they suck, you know, yeah. it's at least going to be under the spotlight for SMU. No, yeah, exactly, and I'm sure SMU and Cincy will be paying attention to that game and will be like, oh, we have to go into the balance house and play that defense. So, you know, good luck. I mean, good luck. I'm I'm excited for it, but 
Well, let's focus on Georgia Tech. Yeah, I said 38-17, 38 – no, I'll go 38-14. Um, I'm going to give my defense a little bit more credit. but I'll do 35-14. Yeah. 35-14. Okay, so three yeah. less points. So I just – really, yeah. I just need them to score more to feel validated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just One need them to thing. cover the spread, unlike what they did against Louisville. But okay, wait. Yeah, that's realistically that's all I'm wanting. I'm like, but now I'm like, do I put my money where my mouth is? And I'm like, do I go put a hundred bucks on the spread? Oh. I don't know. I'm I've been considering that. I'm like, I'm you know, Nick lives in Tampa. I might just send him some money and be like, go go place this bet for me. You know, I <laughs> go to the hard road. Go to Hard Rock, put a hundred dollar bet on UCF. We'll make a video out of it. I don't know. Um, hey, listen, I'll see how confident I am. And guess what? It'll make it even a worse rant episode if we don't cover. I'll be like, listen, we played good, but I lost a hundred dollars. So always areas to improve. There's our weekly vlog segment where we send Nick to the casino to gamble for us. Yeah, that'll actually be that. I think we should do that. I think we should do that. I might do that what? this week. But sports books aren't allowed in Florida, are they? I think you're. I'm pretty sure it's that you can bet in the casinos if like because it's Seminole Hard Rock. Like they, I think they allow you to bet in those. That's the law. That's like the yeah. the reason we haven't had sports books like on our app yet because it's not legal to do so just yet. But I think okay. if you're inside a sports book or if you're inside okay. a casino, I think you can make bets. Don't quote me on that. I I'm I'm assuming we can make bets. But I also, you know, I might be wrong. People can roast me. I don't live in Tampa. I don't do the research. Sean doesn't know gambling in Florida. I know how to gamble. I don't know how to gamble <laughs> in my state because it is not legal, even though it should be. It should be legal everywhere. But, um, yeah, if, if I can do that, I will do that. Or I'll just call somebody in New York and send him 100 bucks to there you go. put a bet on it. All right, one more thing to talk about. Um, this kind of made headlines the last couple days, um, which, you know, I have certain views on this. I, I don't know if you do, but Terry Mahajer came out and said that he was in talks with the Pac-12 team to do a home-and-home, and he kind of let it slip that it was Washington, who, as we know, is a very storied program. There were rumors that they would be coming to the Big 12. Um, and that Terry Mahajer said the reason he declined it was because of the travel. What? Give your thoughts on it. He said he'd rather do a 2 and one with Florida, which he did sign with Florida, than do a home-and-home home with Washington. What are your thoughts? UCF fans were not happy with Scary Terry. Uh, even though we all love <laughs> Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Scary Terry is a little scary right now with S that. Step aside, Terry Rogier. Yeah, no, Terry, no, that's, we've taken the name. I mean, Terry Mahajer <laughs> is scaring athletic directors, uh, directors all across the United States with how amazing of a job he's doing. Um, but I think this was a little bit of an L in the eyes of UCF fans. So do you agree with UCF fans in the sense that it was an L on his part. I, I don't want to be a fence sitter, but I can kind of see both sides. Like on from the fan perspective, it's okay. It's Washington. Like obviously Washington's not 
the Washington of old, but still, mm-hmm. it's Washington. Like you said, it's a storied program. It's always considered one of the better programs within the Pac-12, even though there's not a lot of them anymore. Um, you know, it is a lot of travel, though. And if the alternative, and I don't know if it is, I'm not the AD. I don't know what, you know, behind closed doors discussions look like. But if the situation does become between, okay, do we schedule a home and home with Florida or do we schedule a home and home with Washington? And it truly is between those two. Yes, obviously I'm picking Florida. Florida's the better team. Well, it would be a two and one, a two for two one with Florida. Yeah. 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 So I. I mean, still, I still, I think would rather have that than the alternative, which is Washington having a home and home. Because again, it's still an SEC quality quality team. There's not that much travel. Gainesville's only two hours from Orlando. You know, it's it's not. Yes, you're losing on the deal of you know you're not you're it's neutral site or you know it's two away games. Blah 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 blah. You only get one home game out of it. But still, it's Florida. It's not. You know, it's it's an in-state, technically an in-state rival at this point. But, Rob, here's the thing, though, right? And this is what I think a lot of UCF fans were uh, upset about. Why can't you do both? Oh, yeah, now, no. That's, but that's what I was getting to was that's why yeah. I was saying it, it's split, if it's a split decision like that, which, like I said, I don't know, then I'd rather have Florida. But at the end of the day, if you can do both, absolutely do both. Yeah. I think it's it, it's hard, right? I understand I understand Terry's thought process. I don't think the travel's the reason. Now I think that is a part of the reason. I think Terry we're in the American. We had to do things while in the American to further ourselves in the rankings. Right. I think Terry's looking at this now, and I think a lot of UCF fans, I'm a UCF fan. I'm looking at it. We're in the Big Twelve next year. You're playing a Power 5 team every single week. You're not getting an FCS opponent to blow out 63 to nothing. Like, I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Like, mm-hmm. you don't get the FAU to, to go play um, and has a, have a break week. I mean, you're going to be seeing teams next year, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, po- possibly Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Kansas, who's looking really good. You're seeing some of these, you know, top-tier teams – and you are like we have Florida on the slate. I mean, you have Florida on the schedule. So I think Terry Mahajer's looking at it and saying, listen, for the betterment of our program and for our program to succeed, maybe we don't want to play another power five opponent having to travel all the way to Washington while we're already playing all of these teams. And listen, we already have talked about it being a lot of travel in the Big Twelve. A lot of the teams we're playing are in the middle of the country. But Terry mm-hmm. also has to understand that there were rumors about the Pac-12 teams joining the Big 12. So you can't, like, are you going to complain to, you know, the new commissioner and say, I don't want the Pac-12 teams joining because it's too far for us? I mean, you signed the deal. You wanted to go to the Big 12 to pay, play the best teams. You wanted the best opportunities to get into the playoff, which is now going to be 12 teams, you're getting you're going to get close to $40 million a year in revenue now. Listen, I get it's a long flight, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to do it anyway if they join the, the Big 12 because that's what the rumors are saying. The, everybody's saying the Big 12 wants to go out west and grab those west teams. They want to be on every, every single time slot, which mm-hmm. financially – and for you know media rights, very smart. 
So it's not just the Pac-12 at, you know, whatever time. So I think the problem I'm having is, it's like you said, it's a dilemma in the sense of, I think it'd be great for us to play a team like Washington and be great to pad the schedule with quality opponents. But I think we don't necessarily understand how it's going to actually be. Like we're, here's my, let's think about this. We're looking at Georgia Tech and we're like, oh my God, it's Georgia Tech because they're power five. Louisville was the same thing. We're like, oh, this is a power five team coming in. Yeah. Our minds haven't shifted yet to, Mm-mm. oh, you're playing a power five every single week. Well, our minds haven't shifted there yet. We're still in the American, oh my God, getting a Washington on the schedule would be great. Next year, we might be regretting it saying, dang, I wish we had like a week where we could just blow out a team, you know, and take that week to, you know, prepare for a better team. We're not going to have that next year and in the, in for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think it's also don't forget kind of where you came from. I mean, uh, no, I mean, to your point, though, you are going to be playing Big 12. You're going to be playing OSU, you know, Oklahoma State. You're going to be playing Baylor, Texas, maybe, Oklahoma, maybe before they go off to the SEC. And this is before we you know, even, like, we're all assuming that we're adding more teams probably in the next couple months. Oh, right. Like, by the end of the Absolutely. year, we're assuming teams are joining the Big 12. So we don't even know the competition. Yeah. Like, it might be, you know, you're bringing Washington mm-hmm. and Oregon in. And you have no idea. Yeah. Like, you might already you might play, have them. To play them anyways. Right. I think, but I, I definitely agree that I think UCF fans, you know, get stuck in the mindset of we need to pad our schedule with, you know, power five teams because we've done it for so long. I mean, you don't want to forget where you came from, right? I mean, five years ago, you would have killed, UCF would have killed to schedule some a team like a power five team like Washington on their schedule because, you know, you're playing, you know, not so great teams here and there. And then all of a sudden, oh, Power five Washington, like we can add that to our schedule. We can beat them. You know, that'll give us some credit. That'll get us, you know, maybe some votes in the poll. And and now it's like UCF's kinda like, yeah, well, we don't really need that. You know, we got yeah. we got plenty of top tier teams in the Big Twelve next year. You know, you're adding Cincinnati, you're adding BYU, you're adding Houston. And then on top of that, you already got, you know, a whole bunch of teams that are very, very, very serious. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see. I don't think they need the home and home with Washington, but I think I I get where UCF fans are coming from. They don't want to see the program kind of, you know, start dissing, you know, quality power five opponents, I suppose. No. Yeah. And I think, listen, don't take it from me. Like I would have loved, if it came out tomorrow that we signed a deal with Washington, I'd be all for it. So I am not the UCF fan. I agree with UCF fans that are upset about it. I'm just saying, you have to understand from Terry's perspective, the travel plus the better competition that we're playing, you're not seeing the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Floridas. You're not seeing them schedule other Power 5 like opponents away games. Like Look at Alabama. They scheduled a Texas away game, and I guarantee you Nick Saban will never do it again because of how close <laughs> the game was. You just don't see it. As a Power 5 school... Listen, and it's not saying UCF is forgetting where they came from. Like, listen, I'm the whole reason is you have to switch your mindset. We got, like we signed a deal with Florida. That those years are going to be tough. I mean, who knows if Florida is ever going to be back to where they were? I hope they never get back. I hope they suck for the rest of all time. <laughs> but ultimately, it's a huge game. 
with ever with the schedule you have still. So it's like I think UCF fans need to understand like yes, does it suck that we're not getting that game potentially at home? Yes, that'd be a great home game. You're going to have a lot of quality opponents coming into the bounce house for many years to come. Mm-hmm. I think we're okay. And I think give Terry the credit where credit's due. He got us in the Big 12. We all love him. He's done a, phen- a phenomenal job um, as our AD. So we can be upset about not playing Washington, but let, let's understand where he's coming from and kind of just move on, I think, is the best course of action here. Because guess what? If Dylan Gabriel is still at OU and he has to come play in the bounce house, I think none of us will be complaining about not getting Washington on the schedule. I think we'll all just be happy that we can have that game come. So, I mean, that's my two cents on it. If it happens, it happens. But who knows? In four months, they might be in the conference. So who's going to care then? They'll have to come here anyway. So it's like we can schedule another opponent. Hey, maybe let's get USF on the slate. Who knows? I still think we should get like I still think we should play them. I don't. That's that's too good of a rivalry be, to pass up. Even though they suck and they never beat us, but one of our two out of conference games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shoot, let's let's have an easy game. I mean, who cares? Let's have a a nice easy game for when we go there. But we talked about that for too long. But I just wanted to get the point across that it's like. We're going to be okay. – we have enough quality opponents on our slate. I mean, again, Washington's great, and I'd love to play Washington. But let's get through a couple years of the Big 12 before we start scheduling other Power 5 opponents. I think let's just make some runs at these playoffs and, you know, go from there. And UCF fans, I would love to end this episode by saying, if you disagree with me, please, in the comments down below, tell me so we can have honest conversations about how we're all feeling. Uh, like, subscribe, share. Uh, Rob, final thoughts before we sign off? Beat those yellow jackets. That's a good way to end it. Thank you guys for tuning in to Charge On. We are, a, I guess... I want to say new UCF podcast, but we've been here for like a month and a half. So, um, or a month and a half? No, almost a month. month. New-ish. Thank you guys for tuning in. New-ish. I mean, you know, I think we've hit the scene. You know, we're not as big as some of the the hard hitters, but, you know, we like like our small little audience right now. Um, Subscribe, like, share, comment, follow, do all those things. We'd love to have you as a regular... um, as regular audience members for us. We really appreciate all the support. It's been great. Um, Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. And we will be back. I'm trying to think. We will be back Monday, right after the Georgia Tech game. We're still trying to figure out live streaming and stuff like that. I think hopefully we'll have it all squared away for SMU and potentially Cincy if we don't have it scheduled away for SMU. Um, But we are working on those live streams because – Ultimately, we would love to be on right after the game. We're recording anyway, um, but we're still working out to make sure that we give you guys quality live streams, um, not just thrown up there. Um, But hopefully coming soon. But uh, Georgia Tech episode post-game will be up on Monday following the game. Um, Thank you for tuning in, Charge On. Hopefully, let's let's pray we... uh, beat those yellow jackets pretty good. I'm your host, Sean Green. We will see you on Monday.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.